0: Hello, and welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from the Superhero Ethics Podcast.
1: And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 103, which begins coming up through the clouds into Asgard and ends with Sif and Frigga comforting each other. Joining on the show as every day of this week is Will Freeland from the Hype is my superpower podcast. Uh Will, yesterday you told us a little about like what we'll got you started in Marvel Comics. What was your relationship with Thor before uh, uh seeing this movie? Like, was he uh, you were talking about how much you love uh Peter Parker as the everyman. Thor is not quite that. So I'm wondering, was he No, he is uh, not the everyman. Was, was he a little lower <laughs> in your own Pantheon, or where did he fit in your comic reading? Um, you know, he's not in my top three
2: heroes um but that's fine i i i have so much fun reading his comics Mm -hmm. because of the godly craziness that happens um in like jason aaron's run or straczynski's run yeah um i mean jason aaron's run is insane and um he has the jason aaron has this hard-on for putting gods through the ringer because they can take it um and uh it is it's one of my favorite comics to read lately um i'll be i'll be real honest but a the the character thor himself um i i like him but i've never really related to his story very well yeah <laughs> um and uh that's fine uh it's but it is he's it a fun read I, I have plenty of comics i can suggest to people that want to read some thor
0: that's awesome that's awesome all right we'll have a lot more of that right after this
1: We're getting close to the end of the season, and after this season, we'll have some hiatus episodes before we start the next one. If you want to tune into those hiatus episodes, you've got to be a member, so go ahead and get signed up. You can go to truestory.fm slash marvelmovieminute. You can find out what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month, or you can get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Thanks.
0: Welcome back. So again, we're having this trip back up to Asgard and this time it's a lot shorter of a shot than we got last time, but we get this kind of interesting like pan up and then it slowly starts to rotate around the side. Um, what do you all see in the the way the shot was done, especially in kind of – I think there's a lot that we see, but there's a lot we don't see.
1: Well, we don't see the floating buildings. <laughs> they've, they've only been in that one time, and I am I, very curious about them still. This one, I, it's a beautiful shot. I mean, it's it's that kind of that low sun. It very much looks like the golden hour here as well. Um but it also feels just kind of like a modeling flyby. Like, you know, when we first came into Asgard, we could see the people walking around. We could see kind of flags blowing in the wind. This one just looks very static. Like it's, it moves pretty quickly. You don't really have a chance to see people, but it, it feels like just something that they designed just to like, let's do a flyby through the city to see what it looks like, which I mean, it's fine. It's, it's a really nice uh, kind of tour through the city, but it's, it, very specifically has no life in it and i don't know if that was uh, mm-hmm. part of the specific intention or or budget decision who knows there's no green in asgard
0: oh yeah it's true it's all gold kind of wonder what they eat
2: it's yeah it's kind of like because it's just weird thinking to other scenes that we get in asgard in future uh movies they make it a lot more um, lived in for one and then there's a lot more a lot, a lot more trees <laughs> um and and uh yeah like, way more populated I don't I, maybe people go to bed before something down
1: that's <laughs> uh, right they're all they're all sleeping there are trees they're they're really hard to see because of that light but um it's but it yeah it just it it's a very weirdly unpopulated shot
0: I also think it's interesting that we don't see the wreckage of the observatory at all, like, or where that was. And, and given a shot we're going to get in tomorrow's minute, I think I understand why, because it, it saves the power for that. But I think it's it's noteworthy that we don't see that at all. So then we come to this feast, and we've got Sif and the Warriors Three kind of bantering.
1: It's I, I, I just want to point out first, they, they cut to this wide shot of the feast, and it's at a table that's not the table where the Warriors Three and Sif are sitting. Like, if you look at this wide shot, like, they are not at this table. It's very peculiar and i'm not sure why they they it's s- a small table too yeah it's i a- think asgard would have a larger than Twelve person. Table. They have a lot of these tables. <laughs> like when we saw the dining room before, when Thor flips a table, there were other tables around the room. So I guess maybe they're just at a different table, but it's it's odd that we just don't start with their table.
0: I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think there's a reason for it. I, my sense is that it's it's to give a sense of the scale that this is not just the Warriors three and Thor and his friends talking. That like all of Asgard has come out for this grand celebration.
1: Maybe that's why no one's outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all possible. You know, the game is on. No one's, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I think there's a a beautiful counterpoint that's happening here because they're all like they're feasting. Um, Volstagg has to have food in both hands because, haha, let's make fun of fat people. Not my favorite dynamic in the movie, but. But there's a kind of like the, the fun banter that, that uh, I think a lot of our guests have talked about happens in the comics a lot that we haven't really gotten. And we'll talk about the specific things that are said in a moment. But, but to me, what really struck me is that they're having this feast while the music is the exact same sad contemplative music. Because to me, that kind of feels like we're seeing that these characters are celebrating. But we, the audience, know better. We know that actually a tragedy has occurred. Uh, and and so it's it, it's harder for us to celebrate, and we'll, we'll see if some of the characters feel the same. What would you would you get out of that counterplay between the the celebration and the music?
2: I guess I guess will like watching like Volstagg be, you know, life of the party and making light of um, the pain that he may or may not be feeling inside, um, and you know, the whole don't you know, do not mistake my appetite for apathy. That's one of my like favorite lines, but. Um, uh I guess that's just that's kind of the viking or warrior approach to you know tragedy is like why focus on the bad when we can celebrate the good and right. you know we're still alive we're still we're still um um living a a um a grand life let's celebrate that and um distract ourselves from the pain and so like it's it's very it's a very classic kind of warriors thing and in the comics that's very much Volseg's role a
1: lot is being that distraction and i think it, i think it works what you're saying i think is is exactly what's going on here where we're seeing the joy of the moment they're back in their lives but that contemplative music that i mean really their conversation between uh, Volstagg and Fandral as they're talking at the table is is buried kind of under the music. So we're focusing on the music and the emotion in this moment because really, I mean, we're – because this is Thor, right? We're not watching the Warriors 3 movie. It's the Thor movie. And and we're – like that music is the connection. We just left Midgard. We're connecting it back here. But really it's connecting to Thor specifically as we'll, we'll see in just a second and and what Thor is feeling. And so I, I love that the way that this plays out because it really does give us a sense without showing Thor right at the start of this scene, we're feeling what Thor is feeling and we're seeing this joy and everything, but it's like we're seeing it kind of through Thor's eyes, where it's like, this looks like a lot of fun, but, you know, there's there's something missing here. And and so I love the way that it's put together.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is such an important part of it because you point out with Thor and we'll later see that they're Thor, Frigga, and Odin—none of them are at this feast—and they're all kind of in these like contemplative moments. And it, I feel like this—I don't say trope in a bad way because I don't think it's overused—but I feel like this is a dynamic you often see in movies like this, where like everyone is celebrating, but our main, main protagonist—they know they're focused more on the sadness. Um, or, or even just like a deeper emotion. Like the, to me, the defining thing that I think of with this is in Return of the Jedi at the end where right. everyone is celebrating and in the true version, they are singing Yub Nub because that will always be the true version. <laughs> also on shot first, just while I'm on the but, the but they're all celebrating, but Luke isn't with them. You know, Luke is thinking about Darth Vader and his father and all of this. And, and it's just a wonderfully poignant moment of kind of like he's not part of the celebration because he knows more and we, the audience, know more. And I feel like this scene is very much in that tradition.
1: Yeah, I love that connection that you brought there. I, I feel like there is that a lot of that um, contemplative retrospective as they look back. Like, we've succeeded, but we've lost important things along the way.
0: Right. Uh one other thing I want to say about the feast before we start talking about Thor and his walking away. Uh, Andy, you reminded me that sitting next to Sif is Walt Simonson and his wife, yeah. which is really important because – Who's walt simonson
1: (laughs) walt simonson is sitting next to sif having a grand old time his wife is actually not next to him uh but is actually next to volstag okay uh she's louise simonson walt simonson um most notably um i mean both of them are are comic book uh people walt simonson most notably um wrote the thor comics from 83 to 87 um, the whole thing with Beta Ray Bill, he came up with. But I mean, you oh, know, he'd nice. worked on X Factor, Fantastic Four. Um, also worked on stuff over in DC like Manhunter and um, just other things. I actually wrote some Star Wars comics and and Alien and and things like that. So all over the place uh, as far nice. as the types of stories that he, that he wrote. But um, his wife Louise has been in comics um, as long, if not longer, than him. I mean, she was in comics forever. Uh, Like Conan the Barbarian, Power Pack, New Mutants, uh, Superman the Man of Steel, and they collaborated on X-Factor together. That's the one that they had worked on. For a long time. And so this was kind of, uh, you know, a a great way to have Walt come in, just like we had JMS have his little cameo earlier in the film. This is Walt's chance to kind of have his moment here in Asgard uh, at the at the feast along with his wife. So just a fantastic little um, another round of uh, kind of creator cameos that we get so it's it's nice to see them here i
2: love when movies and tv shows do that kind of stuff yeah it's it's so great to
1: to me that's like the
0: perfect example of an easter egg where if you know you know and if you don't you're not missing anything yeah but it now makes me wonder i don't know if either of you know because that's such a beautiful way of honoring the people who've created the story that you're now telling a new version of do we see that you know like other i don't remember any iron man writers being talked about showing up in cameos in the iron man or like uh, any black, like do do you know of any other MCU movies where they have like people who have write or 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 draw the comics uh, at important moments show up as cameos in the movie?
1: Uh, Jim Starlin shows up in um he's in the uh uh the little counseling group that uh that Steve Rogers is doing at the beginning of um oh Endgame. yeah Endgame.
2: yeah same with one of the
1: Russos <laughs> yeah right exactly so they pop up there. I'd have to go back and kind of look and scour to see if there were some other creators. Um, I I feel like I've heard of some other ones, but it is one of those things. Like unless you really are looking for it, you just might miss it. So it's entirely possible that I've just missed some of them.
2: Yeah, usually it's like name drops, like it's the name of streets or um, like license plates that are Uh, references to the comics and stuff. Um, But you don't you don't typically get you don't frequently get um, those kinds of like uh, in person cameos.
0: Yeah, it's just a nice thing. We all we all know that Stan Lee gets his cameo every single time, um, right, right. Or, they, or did until he passed away so sadly. But yeah, it's kind of awesome. Some other comic book uh, people get that. So let's then talk about Thor. So he he's walking past. He's he's kind of smiling at everyone, but he's just not in the celebratory mood. And we get this wonderful shot of stiff, kind of like you know, slowly kind of watching him uh, walk away. Um, And I just, and I said, we we may have some disagreement here, but I, I feel like this has been a theme throughout the movie, is that we keep getting these little moments of Sif showing that she's always kind of a little more aware. Like, there's that thing where, like, if you've got a crush on someone, but you're hiding it, you're just always a little more aware of where they are in a room all the time, and I like that it's so understated. It's not her being the jealous woman or anything like that. But you definitely, I feel like the movie's conveyed throughout the whole thing. Like Sif has feelings for him that are either he's just totally blind to, or they're not requited. But she's she, she she she's she's carrying a torch that's not really going anywhere right now.
1: Yeah, there's I you know I go back and forth on that because I agree that it is kind of there if you if you look for it, but you can also see it where it's like you know she's one of the friends and she's the one who is just the more more aware and sympathetic of them who's like who's paying attention to things like mm-hmm. like when when they're first chatting in the um uh when he's trying to convince everybody to go to jotunheim with him like you just don't get that sense that there's kind of that a little hint of a romantic attraction she just seems like another one of the team, and so yeah, I guess it's there from time to time, but also it just feels like just a buddy buddy sort of thing and so if if it is there it's i don't know i i struggle if they were intentionally trying to put stuff there or if it's just the read you know i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like i feel like they left it
2: for this first movie they left it kind of open to be to write it as she's aware because she um is carrying a torch for thor or she's aware because she's um she is just that strong of a warrior that she's always aware of her surroundings. Um whereas like with the Warriors three, they always have each other's backs. Sif as a warrior alone, she has to watch her own back and so she's gotta be more aware of the surroundings. Well, I don't know.
0: And if nothing else, it, it certainly seems like she has a higher emotional intelligence than the Warriors three. You know, there's been a couple times where, like, certainly. they're still in party mode and she gets the emotional depth of what's happening there. And, and yeah, it may also be, like, I th- if I remember correctly, in the second movie, her feelings are more are more talked about. And so I may be kind of yeah. reading that back into this. But certainly I feel like at least there's enough in here to set up what happens in the second movie. Right, right. And, and Will, that's actually a good question. What What's their dynamic like in the, um, in the comics, both in terms of, like, is there the, the romantic aspect but also just, like, does she have that kind of higher emotional intelligence level than the, the warriors three?
2: I feel like where it's at now is for lack of a better explanation. It's like, it's a, it's an acknowledged love from Sif to Thor Thor loves Sif, but not romantically. Mm -hmm. Um, as most adults will acknowledge, there's different kinds of love. (laughs) Um, and, Uh, they will always be there for each other. They always stick their backs out for each other and they have a stronger bond together than um, he does, than Thor does with most other um, Asgardians. Uh, But in all the comics that I've read, he's, he's not, she's not a love interest. She's, she's, she's not something that he, someone he's going to, he is pursuing a relationship with. Also in the comics, Sif and Heimdall are siblings and they kind of, botched that when they decided to make Aegis Elba the bouncer of Asgard. But um <laughs> uh that's that's fine. But um yeah no in in the comics it's it's very similar to this, but I know that SIF I believe in the past, like in the like eighties and nineties they had a um a relationship I believe. Um but as it is now since their rebirth in Straczynski's run with uh, Asgard being in Oklahoma, it is not a thing.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, and certainly we know that, you know, in the mythology, Sif is Thor's wife. So there's always that kind of like little thing just hanging over the head of it, too.
1: Yeah, right, right. Um.
0: So so he kind of walks on and he gets to his mother. And, and they share this kind of nice moment where where he kind of like touches her and holds her hand for a second and walks off. Um. Which is something I noticed, by the way. In this, every every named woman that we've really met in this movie watches Thor walk away. You know, like Jane. Jane, I guess, watches him mm. fly away. Here's Sif and Frigga are watching him walk away. And, and him and, and Sif and Frigga have this nice kind of moment where Sif is offering Frigga sort of emotional support. You know, I'm so sorry for your loss. Interesting, I think that she's the only one who's acknowledging that of everybody. Um and then Frigga, though, starts, like, she puts out a hand as though she's comforting Sif. Um, so, yeah, what do you all think of that last kind of interaction between the two of them?
1: It's, uh, you know, I, I, they're characters that I really enjoy, and I love this this little moment between them. I, I love watching Frigga. I love that of all of the Asgardians, um, she gets fantastic outfits, you know, different <laughs> ones every time, unlike anyone else. It's like Frigga always has something cool to wear. I just love it. Although Sif, actually, I I don't know that—, that odd little collar thing that she has I think is really um, neat that she has in this kind of uh, outfit in this moment. But there is this nice connection that we have here, and and I guess what I, I like about it the most is that we don't really you know, Odin and Frigga are king and queen. We don't see a lot of interaction of other people with them um, other than each other, you know? And so Having this little moment here, uh, or or like in a royal capacity where Odin is on the throne and somebody's talking to him or something, you know. And so I don't know. There's there's this moment here of like I, I find it really interesting that she's I mean literally kind of reaching out to the queen in this particular moment. And I, I it's is it like something that you're allowed to do? I don't know, but I love that she does it, and I love how Frigga reacts uh in a way of accepting and and I, I find it to be a kind of a, a touching uh you know beautiful moment. Yeah, I uh I kinda I kinda read
2: that as like Sif treating Frigga as the queen and uh just you know trying to be as like knightly or professional as she can hiding her own emotions and looking out for the queen, just being like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Cause I know you lost a son, this, that, and the other. And then, and Frigga reaching out to Sif is like breaking down that, that wall of professionalism, just being like, I know you're, I know you care about Thor." This, this is the scene that to me speaks the most to Matthew's point of Sif holding a, a torch for Thor Very much and so, yeah. Frigga just being like, I know you're grieving for Thor and with Thor. Um, like, let me comfort you as much as you're comforting me.
1: Is it the, I know you're not here for Loki. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah <laughs> Let's cause, be cause, honest.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's very intentional. Like, I, th- I think there is something beautiful about the fact that that it is Sif who had the most conflict with Loki who goes to to Frigga to say, like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and, and again, it's that emotional teller, like – Volstag and the rest of them, they're not thinking in those terms. Um, they're just thinking we won. We didn't die. Huzzah, let's let's eat and drink, which not a bad attitude to have. Um, but but yeah, I think I think to me it, it's that th- this moment is what really confirms to me that the the look that Sif gave 30 seconds ago is supposed to be a little bit of longing and loss because and, and we'll get more to this in the next minute. I think Frigga definitely understands that and and kind of understands, you know, what what SIF is going through.
2: I mean, Loki used to cut her hair when she slept.
0: (laughs) But she gets revenge for that in the Loki TV show, so. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And that's likely why, um, you know, they they have a little more of an extended scene that's similar to this in the second film, because this is here. And allowing for that kind of pining to be kind of opened up a little more. So, and, uh, you know, as we've said, hopefully there will be that opportunity to explore that more in the fourth film as it uh, comes out soon.
0: Yeah, so yeah, it's just a really kind of pointed way to wrap up the minute. Any other last comments that any of us have about uh, what we see here?
1: Um, I just have to point out this. Um, I, well, we didn't we didn't talk about kind of what Volstagg is saying. Um, and it's just it it is one of these moments that we have where it feels very much like the sort of banter that, you know, we've talked about with some of our guests that you get a lot from the Warriors three. Uh, Volstagg says, and then with a mighty bellow, I flew into the giant metal creature and laid him low. And then Fandral pipes <laughs> in. Is that another way of saying you fell on your huge ass? And Volstagg says, as a matter of fact, falling was a tactic, lulling the destroyer. And, you know, it's like I I kind of like the way that they're talking here, like this banter is really fun. It's a little disappointing. I mean, I, I get story wise why it's buried under the music. It's that's not the focus of the scene here. But I like the moment with these characters. Like it actually gives me some better sense of them as characters. And it's I think it's an important moment, especially because this is our picture wrap for Ray Stevenson, Tadanobu Asano, and Josh Dallas as uh, Volstagg, Hogan, and Fandral. Um, this is the last chance that we'll get to see these three actors working together because uh, Fandral is going to be uh, changing uh, hands as far as the actors go. And as uh, the, it's the last time for them to appear in this film. So, um, I don't know. I'm a little melancholic about it because I, I, of the, of the characters in the film, I, I, I didn't like a lot of stuff that they had in here. I didn't like a lot of stuff that was in the deleted scenes and in the script. And I can't help, but feel like they, there still was a disservice that they could have really, uh, done more with these characters, uh, to give them, um, more life in the mcu
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, what's uh, will what's your sense of the warriors three i mean are you a fan of them in the comics
2: yes and no um like the just the warriors three so hogan and fandral don't get a lot of screen time and like the warriors three are very much a unit you get one you get the set kind of a thing um but they've done a lot with volstag um like Volstagg was set up by Loki to do the whole Siege crossover. Um, but then more recently, uh, Volstagg got, um, <laughs> he got Thor's hammer from ultimate, from ultimate Marvel from earth 1610. And he became the war Thor. And he was basically like a berserker rage Thor. Um, uh, and that was, um, I mean, he basically lost it. He, you know, he got, there. Is he's the only one that survived um, a very devastating attack um, while he was surrounded by a bunch of Asgardian children. It was dark. But um, (laughs) uh, Volstag I've liked because Jason Aaron's done a lot of work with him. But Fandral and Hogan, like, I couldn't tell you much of anything about either of them.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 I do think that, yeah, I think there would be a very interesting sort of character beats you could have added, and although as you've talked about, a lot of what was written in the script, I think is probably better that was left out. I, I will say one other thing that that just in this conversation I realize this moment gives us is, you know, I, I do think Thor is having that, like, I'm set apart because he's feeling grief about Loki and everything that's happened, and and grief about not seeing Jane again and breaking the bridge. I also, though, think... I have to imagine that at the start of this movie, Thor would have been right there telling the tall tales, making himself look as good as possible, and sort of everything he's gone through is is kind of a growing up moment. You know, he sees them, like, they're still kind of teenagers who are joking around and having fun, and he's now grown past that, and so there might also be that, that's a little bit part of why he can't join them in that anymore. Yeah, I see that. All right, well, with that, let's wrap up. Um... So will we've talked about the podcast, talked about the discord. Is there anything else that uh, you're up to these days or where people can find you? Are you tweeting or the like my i I
2: technically, I have a Twitter. I am <laughs> not active on it <laughs> but uh i am I am trying to use my Instagram to promote my twitch more because it's the same name uh it just happens to be that way because that was my go to name for a long time. It's like my gamer tag on xbox um and so. Feel free to go and follow me on Instagram. Um, I haven't posted in a little bit, but I'll post today to talk to talk about uh the recording for this or something. But And just, yeah.
0: just remind our listeners what is the name of that?
2: Silver Dreamer. Uh, Silver with a Y. Okay. S Y L V E R D R E A M E R. Um Yeah, go and find me. Nice, nice. Find me pretty much anywhere. To look for that. I'm the only one that ever uses that tag. <laughs> and,
0: and I will say again, like looking at the, the Legos in the background, just, that Millennium Falcon looks like just <laughs> such incredible detail. Um, I, had, I, had yeah. a, I had a Millennium Falcon when I was a kid that was like plastic, it wasn't Lego. So knowing that's a Lego thing behind you is just amazing to me. Well, definitely check yeah. that out.
2: We have a lot of fun on Twitch.
0: Awesome, awesome. Definitely check that out. If you want to hear more of my podcasts, I'm at theethicalpanda.com. There you can find all the stuff on the Superhero Ethics podcast that both Will and his partner Steve have been on uh, many times and are going to be on many times again. The Star Wars Universe podcast where we've wrapped up the book of Boba Fett. We're doing uh, we've, episode after coverage of that. A lot of great things going on there. And, of course, this podcast is part of the Next Real family of podcasts. Um, go to the nextreel.com. You can find great information on all the great things going on there and hopefully even become a member. So I'm going to have myself, Andy, Will. Thank you all so much for being listeners and have a great day.
1: Bye.